for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, Wednesday, a beautiful autumn Wednesday at Gateway. Here we are again, Tim, Gaskins, Jen, Tim's girlfriend. Is that, is, are you okay with the term, or what, what term do you guys use? Well, I don't have a you term. Going? Okay, all right. I'm not going to term. Tim's Jen. And uh, we are, and bef- we are pondering the question. I think everyone is thinking to themselves when they watch Packers games or watch State Farm commercials, like what's with? We're just kind of wondering what's with Aaron Rodgers. What is with his face? He looks unwell. <laughs> he looks unwell. He are, looks are, like he had a little bit too much fun the night prior, but he always mullet. looks like that. Yeah, he's got a greasy mullet. For me, it's the oh, cheeks. It's, it's the cheeks. It's got, not the offensive haircut. Like. He's bad got, haircut does not make a person look unwell. He's got the bags under the eyes, too, which, mm-hmm. hey, we, when you get older, those show up more. Like, I'm going to feel really terrible if we all find out he had cancer or something. Like, yes. I, I hope that's not the case. But, like, oh, he, looks, yeah. he looks unwell or, like, he needs a better Coke dealer because he's not getting a good blend right now. You I'm glad I mean? you said it because it could be drugs. It's quite possible. Although. I just feel like he can afford better. John Gaskin said that, not me. <laughs> well... I thought that, and then I guess I said I thought that. That doesn't mean I have any idea what the deal is. But didn't he just start looking way worse all of a sudden? Like this season, it seems like. Yes. It could just be that he lost weight, and he he also was giving off a little bit of this, I don't give a shit, and you're going to think I'm cool, but I don't give a shit sort of, you know, sort of like Usually when you pull power move like that, though, you want to look hot, not terrible. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think he's kind of like, guys, I don't care. Like, you want to look hot. This is how awesome I am. I can just look like shit. (laughs) I don't know. I can look like shit and still throw darts better than anybody can in the league or in history, basically. He just, given some of the other lore around him as a person, you would think he would care more about his appearance than that if he were really... uh, No, he is doubling down. He is like, screw it. I am not. I'm going to look bad now. I'm not only going to sound bad, I'm going to look bad. I don't care. I mean, this is the guy who bagged Olivia Munn once upon a time. Yes, he did. Purportedly not even that into women. Well, he told Pam Oliver he loved her after the post-game interview on Sunday. Well, that could have been a cry for help. That's the thing. I saw a great joke on Twitter. Aaron Rodgers will tell Pam Oliver he loves her, but not his own family. uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Good for him. They don't deserve his love. It was a good joke, is all I'm saying. It's a great joke. joke. Why doesn't his family deserve his love? They're like, he's like a strange Something. No, but I, well, I get that he's I just a dick mean, to like, them. I just thought. Oh, like, I just mean, like, I respect somebody who cuts like a family person out. Yeah, I don't know that he, entirely that he's the bad guy. I, was, I haven't paid yeah. Could be. I respect that move. Could be. Okay. Just because someone's related to you doesn't mean they get to be in your life. Well, he still looks great. He's still playing great. We're going to have maybe the best ever Thursday night NFL game tomorrow with uh, them playing the Cardinals, but they'll be without Devontae Adams. So. Oh my God, I should check out my fantasy what he's doing. And Aaron Rodgers loves that. I'm sure uh, there's something about that that says, of course, he'd rather have Devontae Adams, but I'm sure he's going to love going in there, finding ways to complete total lasers to people, to whoever's trying to step up for Devontae Adams and win the game. That's like what he partly thrives off of, uh-huh. that the Packers win uh, because of him no matter what. All right. By the way, uh, if you're listening to us and it sounds more like this is maybe like uh, a recording of an FBI investigation, like in the little... 
or police station. You're in the room and it's the recorder. Interrogation is the word you're looking for. Yeah, I, I, I forgot the mic cords today, so we apologize. This is all audible, so hopefully the content, already riveting, uh, is going to be so good that we'll overcome that. And um, Zim's done a nice job so far of... Uh, of holding his jokes back for this because he's not the least bit surprised this has happened. But the gateway's been very accommodating to make the uh, the audio clear and crisp, and here we go. Uh, so the Jacks and the Yotes can't have nice things. Right. They just can't have nice things. Uh, I, under, I understand Valley football is tough, but both of these teams lost two teams they're supposed to beat on Saturday. Yeah. Jacks to Northern Iowa, Yotes to... Uh, Yokes to State. Illinois State, thank you, who was winless in the league, but still is, you know, in the a, league. a tough out and in the league. Uh, we'll get to the Yotes and how much the and the Carson Camp hit and all that kind of stuff in a moment. But um, I, I just want to start with you because you keep you said this before. You were prophetic, by the way. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, I kind of thought the Jacks were going to lose. Yeah, that, they, was pretty that was kind of a part of the focal point of the podcast. And part of it, you said, was just because Northern Iowa always does this to them. And now this is the third time they've beaten SDSU on Hobo Day. Fifth time since 2011. Have they beaten Northern Iowa at home at all since 2011? Yeah, they have a couple okay. times. Um, but you said, but you tweeted afterwards, like they should never, ever, ever schedule Northern well, Iowa yeah, on a home day again. They can't, they can't control when when they play them, and yeah. the Valley seems to always schedule them about the sixth or seventh game of the year. So it's like I said, often Northern Iowa's coming in, they're like, we need to win to keep our playoff hopes alive, and they and they always do. That hasn't always been the case. Jacks beat them in Cedar Falls in the season finale a few years ago, but very often that's the case. And, I mean, I'm sure on some level, whether it's Justin Sell or whoever makes the decision on what game is Hobo Day, you kind of laugh, like, ha yeah, we're not going to do it. Like, after this week, or this past week, yeah, if I was Stig, I'd be like, don't ever do that again. I'll have homecoming in freaking November or the first game of the year. Yeah. I don't care. Do not do that again. Yeah. Uh, I heard from a friend of a friend or somebody was telling me that they know someone who knows Mark Farley, the Northern Iowa coach, and his brother played at SDSU, and apparently Mark Farley has made no secret of telling people close to him, like, I love going to Brookings for Hobo Day, because we kick their ass every time. They shit the bed every time we come there for Hobo Day. Well, Mark Farley's right. They do. Yes. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, because that, that was going to lead into asking you if you believe in curses because I know you don't. We've had this discussion. We don't believe in curses. We don't believe in luck much. But it's kind of like, shouldn't they be able to still schedule Northern Iowa on Hobo Day uh, and just be able to beat them instead I mean, of... The Jacks have had some... They don't have a great record on Hobo Day regardless of when they're playing. Do you have um, a theory about that? You've well, covered the team And they choked enough. their last home game, too. Yeah, and that's the other thing. They've, they're 0-2 in the Valley at home this year. Um, this is from a team that wasn't supposed to lose at all this year, potentially. Or I think we all knew that was probably a big ask to, to go undefeated. But you were probably kind of thinking, okay, 10-1, and you know, and certainly not losing at home. Um, they're 0-2 at home in the league, and that doesn't make any they sense. They should have absolutely won that other game. Right, they're at 20 to nothing, And... Uh, but I think, you know, we asked Stig afterwards, like, about whether it came down to Hobo Day or just playing at home. And he, he, I was, to Stig's credit, like, he was like, yeah, this apparently is a thing. And I don't know what it is. You know, he, he speculated, like, geez, you know, at the major college level, even when you're at home, they put the team up in a hotel the night before the game yeah. so that they can keep an eye on them. They don't do that here. And he was like, maybe because the guys are, are at home, maybe they're all staying up till 2 in the morning or something. He's like, I doubt that's what it is. Because what is it then? 
I can't figure it out. Is it just pressure? Are the guys, you know, squeezing their buttholes too tight when they're playing in front of 15,000 yeah. fans? I, I don't know what it is, but I fully expect them to go to Youngstown on Saturday and win comfortably uh, because they've done, you know, they went to Indiana State, beat them 44 to nothing. Went to Western Illinois, won 41-17. Went to Colorado State, an FBS team that looked shitty at the beginning, but they're actually playing pretty well lately. They appear to not be a terrible team. They went up there and beat the crap out of them. They somehow know how to, like, play up that we're in hostile territory, let's go somewhere and prove ourselves. They're great at that. Focuses them. Yeah, when they come home, they they, they do not have the swagger, the confidence, and it's, you know, cost them two games in a row now. Well, again, yeah. Northern, Northern Iowa's season was on the line, and they always seem to respond in that way. I think it's just sort of a good matchup for the Panthers. Their D-line caused the Jacks O-line a lot of problems, which hasn't happened much this year. The Jacks O-line's been pretty good. Uh, Their last two weeks ago was sloppy, though. Yeah. It was... I mean, it, it, it was obvious there was still a hangover from the loss to Southern Illinois. But I just think, you know, Chris Oladokun is not playing quite as well as he was early in the season. Um, the offensive line isn't playing quite as well as it was early. You've got a ton of injuries on defense. That didn't really play into the Northern Iowa game. I thought the defense played okay. But it just seems to be a, a perfect storm of things coming together, and just suddenly they're not as good as they were earlier in the year. Hmm. Well, in Youngstown State, you're right, this should be a, an easy win. No wins are easy. But they're second to last place. They're one and three. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the Valley's a big jumble. But they still have not yet played North Dakota State or Southern Illinois. So one and three without having played those two teams. So, yes, this should be a road win. The, the quote from Stig in this loss to uh, Northern Iowa from your story in the Argus, from Matt Zimmer's story that got me, was uh, they battled harder at the point of attack. Yeah. It's a person's will to batter longer than the other guy on the other side. So it's not that, like, you and I's defensive line is that much better than uh, SDSU's no. offensive line, but does, is that a micro kind of thing with a bigger saying, picture? I think he's saying they were that day. Yeah. Um, you got to, you know, the Southern Illinois game, obviously when you blow a 20 to nothing lead, people are going to say, well, it's the coach's fault. They got out coached, or how did the coaches let that happen? And there's definitely some truth to that, although you could also sense – you know, Stig mentioned after that game, geez, we send that guy in the blitz, the last drive of regulation. If he makes a freaking tackle, we win the game. That's not the coach's fault. He's right about that. There were a lot of instances. Uh, it kind of, I kind of got the sense in this Northern Iowa game, you know, Stig's in a tough place. The coach is always supposed to kind of fall on the sword and not throw anybody under the bus. But you could definitely sense some frustration with Stig saying, like, you know, we got outplayed. You know, we got out physical. Our guys didn't win those battles at the point of attack in the line of scrimmage. That was not him saying, you know, it was our scheme. We weren't ready to play or we didn't get out coach. Yeah. Basically said, like, their guys wanted it more than ours did. Right. And, well, yeah, and the big reason was dropped passes. I mean, was, he, were I mean, literally 12 10, of them. A minimum of 10. Yeah. I don't know what the official number and was. He, and he also mentioned the, uh, the the bad pass defense. Even in double coverage, they allowed a lot of big pass plays. So it wasn't just at the point of attack. No. Where the they defense were played beat. well enough to win, though. And with yeah. all the injuries they had, too, like, I thought they were they were pretty good. Well, yeah, they kept making you and I kick a bunch of field goals. So, uh, but, but now, I guess, how alarming – how alarming should this be for SDSU fans moving forward? In uh, we, we, we know there's obvious implications now. They may have lost a home game in the playoffs because of this. Well, they, they um, made it to the national championship yeah. in the spring because they were the number one seed. Yeah. That is not going to happen. Right. And being a, a top two seed is probably not going to happen. Being a top four seed is going to be really difficult. For them to be a seed at all, there's eight of them. Eight of the 24 playoff spots are seeded. They'll probably have to win out. They still have to play North Dakota State who maybe isn't quite as dominant as they've been before, but they're undefeated. Mm -hmm. They still have to play USD in the Dome. 
Now, they suddenly took a step back last week. And if they don't have Carson Camp, that's going to make it even tougher. But that's by no means a gimme. Um, all of a sudden, it's not so much like, oh, what kind of seed are we going to get? Are we going to play in the national championships? Like, are you going to make the playoffs? You know, they have to win two more games at least because, remember, they're 5-2. and two. One of their wins is against a Division II team. So that doesn't even count. <laughs> so they're essentially 4-2. and two. Yeah. They have to. They have to get it going. Well, yeah, as Mike McFeely tweeted, uh, Fargo Forum, he's like, yeah, SDSU's wins are Lindenwood, Dixie State, Western Illinois, uh, Colorado Indiana State, State, Indiana State. Only now, Colorado State good. again is impressive, but that's that's one good win out of the uh, five. five. And, yeah. uh, it's I not mean, a good resume. It's not impressive, but they've got opportunities as well. I mean, you go to Youngstown, that's not going to help your resume a whole lot. But then then they've got North Dakota State and USD, as you mentioned. And UND, albeit a UND team that at the moment is near the bottom of the league at one and three, um, that's only one game back of a big jumble at two and two and three and two and two and three. And they're okay. They're, they're, UND's they're good, legit. but I think they were pretty big for their britches after the spring season. And okay, they've been knocked down a peg here. I think. All right, but you got you got opportunities to beat North Dakota State and USD, and those would be quality wins. Uh, what? That much scouting on Youngstown State, you know, it could uh, they run the ball trip all, all, up the, all the time. They have okay. a, a running quarterback who averages less than 100 passing yards per game, so that's how much they run the ball. Uh, they're, they're the nation's leading rusher, or I mean, the conference's leading rusher. Uh, but defensively, they haven't been very good. They're giving about 450 yards and 40 points a game. So, so if they run the ball well, they keep it out of SDSU's hands right. and they have Short a chance the to, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, the defense has struggled and. Good opportunity for SDSU's offense to get healthy. Well, that's good because they actually do defense better than offense lately, it seems like. So that that means, that's, that is the case. Well, how, good, how good is South Dakota State's run defense? Good enough that this shouldn't be a big problem? Yeah, I mean, they didn't they didn't really get run over against Northern Iowa either. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they've, they've been pretty good. Uh, like I said, the defense has not been the problem. Even the game against Southern Illinois, they give up 42 points. That was largely the offense's fault. You know, they all of a sudden, the offense couldn't stay on the field. It was three and out, three and out, or turning it over deep in their own territory. Then it gets to overtime. Like, I've repeatedly... I would be surprised if they fought in the locker room after, honestly. <laughs> I would have I been... I kind of asked the question sort of implying, a little bit implying that. But he, but... Yeah, he had a quote uh, about how one side is supposed to pick up the other side. Because right. I asked him, I said, I'm not trying to basically, like you said, pick fights in the locker room, but you know what kind of happens when, especially because... The defense carried that game. And they're the ones with all the injuries. Yeah. So it's kind of like you could say, like, hey, could you hello, get a play together, could, guys? could you guys help yeah. us out? We're, we're short five starters. This is sort of your job. Yeah. You we're, run the ball. we're the ones carrying it. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Stig answered it the way you should. He said, we win as a team, we lose as a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he did acknowledge that, yeah, the offense needs to get it going, and they clearly do. So this week is an opportunity to do that. I mean, they're, out, they're out there, best defensive back who's an All-American, their best linebacker who's an All-American. Several and, linebackers and a defensive, at this point. And a defensive end, is he their best defensive lineman? Um, Quinton Hicks is maybe their best pa- okay. pure pass rusher. If he's not, it's Tolu Ogurndi, and right. Tolu just came back from uh, being gone last week. Uh, Isaiah Stalberg, the safety who converted to linebacker, the former Nebraska Cornhusker, mm-hmm. he's hurt. He played like he didn't practice all week. Played like three snaps against Northern Iowa and, and couldn't cut it. Basically, didn't play the rest of the game. Logan Backus, we thought was going to play, he didn't. I don't know how many of these guys are going to be back this week. That's just it. The defense is met. Don Gardner, you mentioned All American corner. All those guys are missing, and the defense is still playing. Like they well would have lost that game by so many more points had it not been for the defense in that like. And- Offense did nothing. Hmm. Yeah, it was disappointing. So uh, uh, we've pinpointed dropped passes against Northern Iowa. We've pinpointed the offense getting beat at the point of attack. Uh, and you said Ola Duncan's not as good as he was. I'll ask you, is there anything we've left on the table here? Because the run game is supposed to be strong, although Pierre Strong 
who was averaging 128 a game coming in only at 53. Yeah, part of getting beat. Okay, part of getting beat at the point of attack. I would well, think. I mean, they were playing from behind the whole way, and, and so, yes, okay, you you and I outplayed them. Um, it certainly wasn't Pierre Strong's fault, but yeah, I think that's what Stig was referring to. I mean, with 12 drop passes, was Ola Duncan getting enough time on his passing for the most part? Uh, he, he, he wasn't awesome, but it certainly wasn't his fault. Okay. Uh, the fumble was a, a, a clutch play that hurt him. Uh, but the receivers were dropping passes all over the place. Um, I thought the O-line did a decent job protecting him. It was against the run that the O-line struggled more. Uh, but the other thing was, there were times, too, the receivers were struggling to get open. Uh, you and I's secondary is really good. And there were times that Chris had all day to throw, and nobody was open. And then the few times guys were open, he'd have yeah, and they dropped. There you it. go. So, just kinda... so, but, but, so what's he doing that's not as good as he was? Um, his accuracy has waned a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I think he'd probably tell you that. Uh, but also, you know, just been making too many mistakes. He, he had zero turnovers through the first four or five games of the season. Then against Southern Illinois, he had three. And that was a huge factor in them losing that game. And against Northern Iowa, he had another big one early in the game. So, well, better know. opponents tend to, maybe yeah. tend to make you make more mistakes. And, and I think maybe I'm hesitant to say this, but I'll say it because I've alluded to it in print a couple of times. Like, I wonder if maybe the fact that Chris played so well the first three, four games of the season, and things came so easily to him that he was kind of like, oh, well, I got this. You know, especially when you go to an FBS team. And win as easy. He's got kind of that personality too, doesn't he? And he's not being cocky. Right, exactly. He's played at a high level. I'll another these. Yeah, sure. You know, he probably, I I suspect that maybe he got a little bit too comfortable. You know, after the first few games, one as well as he did, like, hey, I can take these chances. I can make this throw into traffic. I can try to make this play. Hmm. And he learned that, no, you can't. Kind of what Patrick Mahomes is going through. Not that Chris Olgan is Didn't someone say before the NFL season that the Chiefs would definitely not go to the Super Bowl this year? The league had caught on to them, and you watch people have adjusted. We can go back and look that up. I think somebody said that. Just a tiny little crack for Zim (laughs) to pump out his chest. I didn't argue with you. I don't recall arguing with you. I don't, no. Uh, I'm not surprised. But I thought I, I'm a little surprised the I'm, Chiefs that, that they look as bad as they do. But yeah. people that thought they were going to go 15 and one again or something. Well, they were even. Uh, it's not that what, easy. God, was it two years ago they lost to the Super Bowl? Was it? No, that was just last year. That was last year. God. They won it two years ago, lost. Right. Them. Well, yeah, they fooled. Yeah, I mean, even last year they a lot. They fooled around a lot and still could overcome it by just being awesome video game stuff when they absolutely need to be, and you know, caught up with them. Uh, all right. The last the last thing I'll ask you then is. How much of a difference in these two losses uh, would Landon Wolf have made? You wrote a big feature on yeah. him. He got injured on what his first play. Yeah, this is a yeah. wide receiver from Oklahoma State who, as you mentioned, he didn't ride the pine. Yeah, he played there. Played. Yeah. Uh, so how? You know, is I, I know it's kind of a tough question because it's a hypothetical. But right. you know, I mean, I mean, these were close losses. How much of I a mean, difference do you think he would have made? I mean, he would have made a big difference. You know, in the Southern Illinois game, maybe. The offense in those couple drives where they were struggling, he's the difference. You know, makes a big play. And then certainly last week, 12 drop passes, whatever it is. I mean, a guy who used to be a starting caliber Big 12 receiver, is he going to drop all those balls? I mean, maybe, but he, he probably would have helped. There you probably go. Probably would have helped one of them. Yeah. Probably. Please okay. But, Jen, are you enjoying going to – did you go to the SDSU game with Matt? Uh, on two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah. So, the Southern Illinois game. So did you get to sit in the press box? Or? I got to spend a quarter in the press box. Okay. I got to see that great uh, – that 99 – how many years was it? Was it 99 or the 97 officially? Yeah, 97, the fumble return. The fumble return, yeah. I okay. got to see that from up in the press box. Otherwise, I was down with the pores in the stands. <laughs> no, you had pretty good seats, didn't you? 
the I'm saying I wasn't in one of the fancy, you know, like... <laughs> oh, the VIP. The, yeah, the I, wasn't, I wasn't up with the was fancy it, people in the elevator. It was, she wasn't in Dana's suite. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't hang out in Club 71. I'm sure you could have found your way in there, too. People snapped some photos of me walking some, up and down from there, apparently. Had some but... You know, you could have had some cocktails in there. Or, you I would know, have loved to. Game, sure. I... of, course, of course, they can't, right? They can't drink in Club 71, can they? It's yes, so. they can. <laughs> They just can't bring it to, as, it, as the signs say in the elevator. Do not bring these down where the poor people can see them. Yeah, poor people aren't allowed That's to right. drink at the game, apparently. Well, they, they've surpassed Nebraska. Nebraska still has kind of, well, I don't know. I was I was in a friend's, a friend's luxury box at Nebraska when I went there a few weeks ago, and they the, the people that own the suite are keeping the alcohol away from the people they know are huge, embarrassing drunks. <laughs> That's not what's happening at SDSU. Uh, you can't drink there, yeah. which I feel like could just do so much for their ticket sales. They should let people have beers there. Well, we have had this discussion a few times. From your the, lips uh, to God's ears, Jennifer. <laughs> Augustana is already... I'm sure uh, this is not a new hot take. From your lips to uh, yes. the Board of Regents' ears. Yeah. Those uh, guys are idiots. All right. Well, by the way, how would you des- how'd you describe the press box experience? A lot, a lot of people, a lot of people Library. get jealous of guys like us. Oh, oh man, I'd love. You guys are so lucky. You get to sit. There. Oh, I'd love to be in the press. Like, no, you'd like to be in a luxury box. Luxury boxes are fun. Right. Press boxes. I don't know. Uh, what it, two observations from the press box. Okay. From someone who's never been in one before at right. a D1 football game. Uh, very library-like, much more library-like than I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Two, I was impressed that the cameramen were actually wearing harnesses. Um, once you have the open, you know, like the garage door opening windows, I was, okay. that was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, I'm okay. impressed they're actually wearing harnesses because they should have been. Yeah. I was, I mean, coming from a construction, I, I work in construction safety and like, it's hard to get people who actually need to wear them to wear them. Usually okay. I was, I was mildly impressed and surprised by that. I appreciate that observation. Uh, I know people who sit in the press box with you probably listen to this podcast, Sim, but it's, uh, do they have open window Open windows, there. not in the working oh, press area. Man, same thing in Lincoln. It's to me that's tough. The it's, coolest it's, thing that uh, Augustana, makes you feel like you're removed from the game. Right, I agree. Augustana did it right at Kirkaby Over. Uh, it's a big enclosed window, just like anyone else. But they have these little, they're like the size of a license plate, where you can pull the thing and push it open, that's and then there's a screen, so it doesn't let in too much air. That it, like even in the winter. You yeah. can open it, and it won't get cold in there. Yeah. But then you get the stadium so you ambience. Hear the you can, you can hear the sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one thing. That's it did missing feel very from, like the library aspect of it was very much because it felt removed. Yeah, kind of yeah. isolated from, from the game itself. Yeah, it's I I've never liked it. Uh, that, I mean, SDSU is fine. If Jason Hove's listening, it's you know <laughs> right, you know whatever. I because I might want to come there sometime, but. It's overrated. No, no, it's fine. No, it's no nice. one's complaining about it. That's just one thing that they left out. And I think I yeah. probably said that to Jason the first year. Like, yeah. oh man, you should have had a window. But open. overall, for any fans who are like, God, I'd love to sit in the press box. It's nothing to write home about. It. It's great on days where the weather's terrible. I was going to say, that's, protects from the weather. It's fantastic. Yeah. Otherwise, it is like a library, and you're like, I felt like I was at the law school you're, library, you're, and yeah. you're watching a movie. You're 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 just kind of like watching a yeah, football even movie. Yeah, when everything erupted, like when that when they returned, yeah. like yeah, like mm-hmm. the whole like stadium was erupting, and it was still very like quiet and serene. Thank you. Sort of, I guess you know. Budweiser, so you just get there that. we go. Oh, thank you. Zim's got the Budweiser. I've got the Sierra Nevada because they're out of Oktoberfest. We have it's an so amazing popular. waitress. I wish we had Oktoberfest instead of that. Do you get asked for it a lot? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that one just pours like shit. <laughs> like it does not stop. It's okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, Oktoberfest. Tell them over at the bar, thank you for the pouring. My Sierra Nevada. Oh, well, thank you then. <laughs> I was with her. She's awesome. She is awesome. Everybody at the Gateway Lounge. Is awesome. They're so nice. They're just friendly, um, and they keep coming back, as you can hear by the frequency of them coming back on this podcast. What are you drinking, Jen? Uh, the Juicy Haze IPA. Oh, okay, very good. Um, so 
the Yotes lose, and I know you didn't see this. I took copious notes, and uh, I, of course, have our weekly uh, report from Coyote Eric. But they lose to Illinois State, who was winless in the Valley, but still not like a doormat. And they lose partly because Carson Camp, their quarterback, goes out. And it mm-hmm. still feels like that's a secondary issue. Well, maybe not. I mean, if they have him the whole game. They probably would have won if he had stayed in the game. They didn't play well when he was there. And then he got knocked out, I believe, in the second quarter. But, yeah, I mean, they lose 20-14. to 14, And his backup throws a pick, pick six. six. So, that's I mean, it's a touchdown margin of loss. But I believe, weren't they, like, in the red zone at the end of the game with a chance to tie? They were. And yeah. he threw another interception. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Uh, they were in, well, they, well, that's they were why in, I'm saying if you have Carson Camp, you probably win. Yeah, they were the, they still almost did. Yeah, he has two interceptions all year. I believe they were both in the fourth quarter at Missouri State. At least one of them was. But yeah, he had two interceptions all year. This, you know, backups, uh, Cole Stenstrom, you know, I mean, tough. Any game in the Valley is a tough one for just to be, be your first action as a Right, unless you have an experienced backup, a Keaton so, Heidi, that kind of thing. So he threw a pick six, and then when they were in the red zone in the fourth quarter, uh, it wasn't late, late fourth quarter, but it was fourth quarter, he threw, he missed a wide-open tight end who had been uh, Samson, who had been basically their offense uh-huh. a lot of that day. And uh, and then he threw an interception later when they got it back in desperation mode at the 50-yard line. So, yeah, I guess if, he, if Carson Camp was in there, you could make the case they, they would have won this game. But overall, they didn't seem to play well, so they can't have nice things either. Let's just go right to the Carson Camp thing. Did you? I mean, did you go through all the tweets uh, from people who saw it and the complaints? And well, I mean, it clearly it clearly appeared to be targeting and should have been called targeting. Yeah. But that doesn't that wouldn't have changed anything. If if you get the penalty there, that doesn't mean Carson Camp gets to stay in the game. He's yeah. out of the game regardless of what happens. It, yeah, it should have been targeting. Yeah. But that doesn't really have much impact on what happened and what's going to happen for USD going forward. Well, they, they fortunately have the bye. It can't come at a better time. Correct. Off a yes. loss and with Carson Camp. Do we know anything further about his injury right now? They prob- don't, we probably don't. don't need to because it's a bye week, so they're yeah. probably even – um, but if he, you know, all we know is if he can't go, then this Stenstrom kid now has some things. Well, they have that other guy. I think his name's Jonathan Lewis. And he's the uh, kind of wildcat quarterback. He yeah. used to be a tight end. He used to be the starter at Rutgers. And he's been. I'm and surprised he, they didn't use him more. I would like to see what he's capable of doing. I guess he's been unavailable due to illness a lot. Of ah, the okay. I didn't know so that. So he hasn't really been practicing much. Well, is my guess. I mean, like I said, the guy was like a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He was briefly the starting quarterback at Rutgers. Yeah. I'd like to see what that guy could do. So they have a bye week, USD, and they'll be at Western Illinois, a team that SDSU was able to handle pretty well in Macomb, a place that Zim sorely misses going to, and that'll be next week. But, but then they played NDSU and SDSU to close it out. They do. You're right. SDSU at home and then at NDSU in the final week. So, And that's the thing. If you beat Illinois State, and then beat Western, you're 7-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Then you can go ahead and lose those two games to North Dakota, South Dakota State. You're 7-4. and four, You're still in the playoffs. Yeah, with Now the, they with, have to win one of those games to get in the playoffs. They're not getting in at 6-5. and five. It's mm. not happening. No, it's probably not a strong enough resume at 6 and Didn't Western Illinois get in with Bob Nielsen you know, at 6-5 I don't and five believe one year? A, a few different teams have got in at 6-5, and five, and I believe every one of them had an FBS win. Uh, USD does not. USD does not. Almost. Almost beat Kansas. Well, that, that's not good enough. I know. Um, so here is Coyote Eric's report, just the eyes of Coyote Eric. Uh, he said that uh, we can't have nice things, fell right into the trap game. USD looked like a team that couldn't sustain the emotions of three straight weeks of winning and looked flat. They looked like the bye week came a week too late. The desperate teams in the MVFC played like it played like they were desperate this week. Very true. Northern, Northern Iowa. Iowa mm-hmm. them, yeah. 
And uh, USDC season is not over. It's tougher, but not over. They've got to get healthy during the bye week. This has always been their issue as the season becomes a grind. Uh, their lack of depth can kill them in November. If camp is back, which I am told is very possible, now Eric does have good sources. That's why he's a source for us. Uh, and some others return. They have three games. They're all winnable, but you got to beat WIU. And then, of course, we know SDSU and NDSU is on the horizon. So if they can't beat Western Illinois, it's pretty much over for them. Right. Um, and uh, he also says that camp getting hurt was absolutely a factor in how the final score played out. Uh, they started slow. Then they lose camp at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It had to make a difference considering Stenstrom threw a pick six. Although that was an amazingly athletic play at the defensive end. Dude just timed the throw, jumped in the air and snagged it. What's up? What's up? Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, none of the officials even closed, chose to throw their flag. There you go. So then he goes on. Do you want to break down the anatomy of the penalty or do we want to move on? Because, yes. I think we all agree it was targeting. Yeah. Okay. But even if they'd have got that call, Carson Camp's still out of the game. Right. And so and, and that goes back to officiating. Everybody's complaining about officiating. It's not just this year. It's the past few years. It's, mm-hmm. It feels like Big Ten officials are terrible. That's what I get from Husker fans and beyond. NFL officials. Ten officials are terrible. And, Valley officials, well, at least this crew. And I, I listened to the beginning of the USD. I was driving around listening to the USD broadcast. And I could tell just based on their very, the tone of their remarks, uh, mostly their analyst, that uh, this was a crew that was, um, they called it, they called the head referee very thorough and uh, always there with an explanation. But they said it felt yeah, that sarcastic. Is, there, is the officiating really that bad? Does it really stick out in the I valley? I, whether I'm watching the Twins, the Vikings, Washington High School, the Valley, yeah. I just don't get caught up in officials being bad. They're going to miss calls. They're going to yeah. get calls wrong. I don't you yeah. know. Uh, the Jacks had a couple bad calls go against them on Saturday. I didn't even consider mentioning them in my story because, you know, over the course of a game, 100 plays or however many, there's going to be some bad calls. Was your Twitter blowing up by some eh, of those? Really. I okay. made reference. Zach Hines got called for a really dumb uh Illegal block penalty. It was a bad call. The guy turned his back on him, which is supposed to make them. But whatever, that happens. Yeah. They all had their flags at that SIU game, though. They definitely they had them. They were, mm. they were in evidence. I don't mm. even remember. That was so long ago. Uh, so, wrapping up the Valley. North Dakota State and SIU are on top. They do not play each other, so we could have a tie there. Uh, they're both 4-0. and Missouri State and Bobby Petrino, is, and, and technically USD, they're tied for third at 3-2. and UNI and SDSU are 2-2 two and two with UNI getting the upper hand there. And looking down the pike, just at the, we've mentioned USD and SDSU ahead. Of course, the Jackrabbits have North Dakota State and USD ahead. And USD has the same two scenarios. NDSU, uh, they are closing out Indiana State, home, should be a win. South Dakota State, on the road, tough one. Then they got to go to Youngstown, and they have USD at home. Southern Illinois at UNI. That's all of a sudden a tougher-looking game. Uh, then they have Missouri State, Indiana State, and Youngstown State. So advantage SIU on this, although North Dakota State probably has... probably lose one of those, would be my guess. Okay. Right? But again, they got out of... The thing I'm most interested to see is if North Dakota State can run the table. Because in past years, that's something we almost would have just assumed was going to happen. They're undefeated again. They look very strong. But I think we can still... They still don't look like those... You know, indomitable, unstoppable Bison teams of, of before. You know, Missouri State almost beat them last week. Um, the quarterback that transferred in from Virginia Tech hasn't been all that. They had to go to their backup uh, to, to beat Missouri State last week. 
Um, but again, when they come to Brookings in two weeks, how healthy are the Jacks going to be? Mm. How confident are the Jacks going to be? You know, We've just they haven't won a home game yet. How much will they know? choke because it's a home game? Right, exactly. So, uh, North Dakota State will obviously be favored in, I think, all their remaining games. I'm very interested to see if they do run the table. Because if they do, they're the number one seed, yeah. and the playoffs are going through the Fargo Dome, just like we saw how many times in the past decade. I don't think anybody would be surprised, though, if, if South Dakota State, even despite their home struggles this one year, would beat the Bison. They, they play the Bison tougher than anyone in the country. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, we may we may get to the Vikings, but I'd much rather get to Eddie Rosario, uh, <laughs> because yeah. how fun has this, how fun has it been? I. I, from what I can detect, because I, I, you and I both know a lot of Twins fans, follow some on Twitter mm-hmm. and the Twins media, and uh, it, it doesn't seem like anybody's not happy for Eddie. You right. can't, this, right. I mean, it's just been a blast to watch. Well, he was one of the most likable players in Twins history. He was not that great of a player. He was a good player. Uh, but the guy hit a home run on the, I want to say, the first pitch of his major league career. It certainly was his first major league at bat. Yeah. Every twin fan remembers it because Marnie Gellner was in the stands interviewing his parents uh, as he hits a home run wow. in his first major league at bat. So, just a, you know, a, amazing way to start his career. And he was one of those guys that even when he wasn't playing well, was fun to watch. Yeah, he swung at everything. Oh, yes, he ran the bases hundred yes. miles an hour. He yes. kind of had a little bit of a Kirby Puckett to his his game. Um, and then and then he got better. And had a two, three year run there where he was hitting 300 with 25 homers yeah. every year. That's a good player. Fun fact he was the 115th player in Major League history to hit a home run in his first at bat. There you go. Jen over there. Our producer now. (laughs) Our producer. Jen. Um, Uh, I have Wikipedia. Does it say if it was was on the first pitch? No, on the first Does it say if it was on the first pitch? Uh, That's what I couldn't quite remember. Yes, it was, yeah. first, it was the first pitch. Wow. Yeah. First yeah. pitch, yeah. major league career. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, um, and so anyway, so he, he, the Twins decided not to re-sign him, which I think made sense. No one really wanted him. He didn't have a great year last year, and he is a flawed player, even when he's good. Doesn't get on base very much, isn't great on defense, swings at everything, like we said. Um, so yeah, when he's bad, he is bad. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's extremely streaky. I respect that. Do or do not, there is no try. You know what <laughs> well, I mean? those are the most fun players to watch. But Zim, you're able to take it in the stride. A lot of hardcore Twins fans who take the, the team so seriously. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's all these Twins fans that go, "Gee, we could sure use that guy." Well, first of all, he was on the playoff roster last year, went 0 for 7 in the two yep. games against the Astros. So it's not like they didn't give him a chance. Right. Uh, he signed with the Indians this year and did not play well at all. And so the Indians ended up benching yeah. him and then eventually trading him to the Braves. Warmed up a little bit for the Braves. They have so many injuries going into the playoffs, they have to put him in the lineup. Now all of a sudden, he's the hottest hitter in baseball. And I think every Twins fan watching it is not surprised. No. We have seen him get hot like this before, yeah. where he can carry a lineup all by himself. Yeah. Now, you know, he went 2-4 for four again last night in the first game of the World Series after winning the NLCS. He could very easily go 0-20 for 20 the rest of the World yeah. Series. Yeah, no one would seen that. Right. Uh, but uh, so far, uh, <laughs> you know... I think part of the point for him also is like he seems to be the best when the lights are the brightest. Mm-hmm. First, first at that, and we all love National guys League who play with here. emotion. You can tell yeah. he's having fun. Yes, he's like this is awesome. Yes, this is what yeah. like. And he gave the interview after uh, one of the NLCS games where they were trying to ask him about like what were you thinking on this pitch and you know what was your approach to that bat. And all he kept saying was, "I just want to play in a World Series. I just want to play in a World Series." That's the kind of shit fans love to hear. Yeah. This guy's fun. He's playing it for the right reasons. That's the kind of guy I want to yeah. root for. Yes. Well, and the thing is, is what? Well, how does how does one explain how he can be this dominant in a National League Championship Series against the mighty Dodgers, who, of course, 
we're not we're gonna get to this. In a hits off lefties too, uh, which you know. I mean, fourteen hits that's a record in an NLCS, isn't it? Or, he was fourteen or ties for twenty-five. It's like a six hundred average. Uh, I mean, the freaking MVP, game-winning homer in Game Seven, essentially the game-winning homer because it was the early tone setter. And okay, but he was also at time, he was terrible. You mentioned in the series against the Astros, and albeit a playoff series, that is still like day games. ALDS, mm-hmm. uh, when the lights and his his problems in the field, you know, sometimes he couldn't catch routine fly balls, and sometimes he swung at everything. He swung at crap. You know, he's gotten a little bit more disciplined. He had he showed some discipline. He's very good at bats. Yeah, it's like he yeah. is more focused, better disciplined, and flat out performs better when the when the cameras are the brightest, mm-hmm. when stuff is rolling, and a thing like the World Series mm-hmm. is on the line. That's just who he is. When when it's not that kind of thing, it's a humdrum year. Or a humdrum game. Sometimes he's just kind of yeah, whatever. What what you I know, think he just kind of tunes it tunes out. I think as a Twins fan, you should just be happy for him. Yeah, I think the idea of like lamenting that he's not a Twin anymore is misguided. But you and and, and not just because it sucks that he's doing it in somebody else's uniform, but you don't think that they should have kept him. They made the right choice at yeah, the time I mean, to not keep him. Alex Kirilov, is, the rookie who they gave his job to, yeah, had about as good a year as he did before he got hurt, mm-hmm. like for the rookie minimum. Yeah, as opposed to paying Eddie ten million or whatever it was. Uh, like I said, love the guy. He was one of my favorite twins of all time. I wish him nothing yeah. but success. Even going to the Indians, I was hoping he would have a great year. Even mm-hmm. though they're in the Twins division, he yeah. did not have a great year. He actually yeah. really struggled for them. It's great to see him picking it up for the Braves, but nobody really wanted him in this offseason. Yeah. And that's you know, to his credit, I hope having this run in the playoffs, and it probably will. Someone's going to pay him in this offseason. Now he's going to he's going to get a contract. And good for him. But wherever he goes. Next year, he's still going to be Eddie Rosario. Yeah, he's going to hit 280 with a, <laughs> with a 290 on base percentage. Bunch of strikeouts, um, probably. Yeah, and you know, yeah. 20, 25 homers and average at best defense. Like I said, he is a good player. He is not a if, great player that you build around. If he goes to a good team that's going to make the playoffs, then you could probably expect him right to play well. Uh, if the stakes are high late in the season, if he goes to, if he's one of these guys that gets a big contract with a struggling team, he'll probably play even worse. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of. That's how it usually happens anyway. You're going to play worse when you go to a worse yeah. team. But He know. has pretty much single-handedly got me rooting for the Braves. I was rooting for the Dodgers to win the NLCS. Why was that? And I, I just, I've always kind of liked the Dodgers, and I've always kind of disliked the Braves going back to the Bobby Cox era. Um, but seeing Eddie catch fire and you know, also A. Ray Adrianza, another former t- twin, plays for the Braves. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Largely because of Eddie, now I'm team brain. Me too. I mean, it's, it's well. Just I, I don't know if I would be as strongly in that corner had Eddie not been playing this well. Then I'd ha- then I'd feel very indifferent. But because of Eddie, and, and how it was? Did you watch the? Uh, did you watch the MVP and and post game ceremony when he got the MVP? I did and his not. Kid was there? I did not. I did not. Okay. He was just again. He was just so giddy and happy. He let it all hang out. He was. Did he do the interview in English this time? No, not at all. You know, all. he does. He did all his interviews with Marty Gellner in English. He speaks English. <laughs> I've interviewed him in English before. When they had him come out with the interpreter, I was like, "What is going on here?" But oh, that's funny. No, he didn't. He had the interpreter, and uh, I get it. With those national interviews, you, you want to make sure you are representing yourself the best. If you don't know the reporter well yeah. enough, like he dedicated had a relationship with Marty. And, yeah. You know. He dedicated that whole thing. It's like, it goes back to Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa was gladly speaking English and, uh, you know, everybody's until he was on trial. For steroids. Yeah. And then he's like, Oh no, no, I'm low. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah which, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. 
is always always convenient. Uh, but what, what, I'd love to hear about your interview with Eddie. I mean, was there was it anything special? What was it about? Was that? Oh, I it, no, it was like a five minute thing when I was at Target Field one time, and, okay. and he his he speaks a fairly broken English, but I had no difficulty understanding. What'd you talk to him? Baseball. I mean, well, I understand that. It was. Um, I think it was just after a, a, or maybe it was a Twins Fest thing. I don't even remember. I just know I talked to him one time. And, uh, nice and effervescent okay, and affable. Uh, and, and, and also, it's not like it was uh, me doing a one on one. It was like me and four other reporters. And, I'm fine for now. Thank me you. too. Yep. yep. It was like me and four other people. And, you know, he was didn't seem like he was having the time of his life. Okay. But he also wasn't like, oh, I don't speak English. You know. That's what does suck about being the out of towners like us. Whenever we do go cover some one of a big, I, I rarely ask people. for a one on one. I just kind of slide in with another group and yeah. you know, you well, don't yeah. know who I am. Why would you talk? You know, yeah, Vikings yeah. training camp was always the same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a really cool experience, but we we it's not like we know our yeah. place. We could ask great questions that nobody else could if we wanted to or have the ability to and we can but still is like i was at the metrodome once they're not long, excited to see a us. long time ago and uh <laughs> i was in the locker room after the game and this guy who was like dressed very silly he had this huge 1970s tape recorder yeah he walked up to brad radke and asked for an interview one-on-one -on -one, and radke's like all right and the guy starts and i was just i was part of another interview but I could hear it out of like my other ears on the yeah. other side of me and the guy was nervous as hell and he asked like two or three just awful questions and so that actually I like okay now I'm turning to watch this and so I actually turned around and you could see Radke like, like a car crash yeah <laughs> yes. Brad Radke was not known as a particularly nice guy like, yeah, he yeah. was very short with the media but you could see him trying really hard like okay I can see that you're That's how bad this idiot. guy was he was being kind he to was him yeah he was trying and because Radke was dealing with a shoulder injury at the time he's like so your shoulders hurt, right? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, and, oh, and wow. Brad's and Brad's like, yeah, yeah, it's actually uh, broken, and uh, I'm trying to pitch through it. He's yeah, like, you perhaps would have known that if you <laughs> yeah. had done some research. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so painful. See, our big thing for and the was, radio, and all I but not, all I could think was, dude, I think he was like from the Worthington newspapers or a radio station or something, some small town in Minnesota, and all I could think was, dude, you didn't have to do that. You could have just blended, blended in with all yes. the other reporters, got your quotes, not yeah. had to embarrass yourself. Ugh. Yeah, I know it's a, well, I mean, we, we do the same thing. The big thing at KWSN was always Vikings training camp, and when they're in Mankato, it's they're less accessible now, which right. is why we stopped going to yeah. it. And we don't work there anymore. But in Mankato, it's like they walk off the field. And anybody can go grab these guys. Mm -hmm. And the big decision always is like in the moment, you like, you like wait on your ass for two hours. And then you're like, okay, now it's a, now it's just a free for all fire drill. Yeah. And it's like you got to make big decisions in the moment. Do I go get somebody I know I can get one-on-one -on -one who not everybody's talking to? Or do I just go talk to the person who everybody's talking do to? Do you have something smart to ask, though? Uh, well, I mean, well, you don't really need to ask anything. But you can, yeah, if you do, you better make it count. But like, but some people were cool. Like Alex Boone was cool. Remember? Yep, the, the I remember offensive that. lineman like we we had a chance to talk to him and he was just I'm sure that I'm sure the questions weren't much I can't remember what we talked about he was just really he was just really Gregarious, cool yeah. he just wanted mm -hmm. he just wanted to make every interview he did fun and mm -hmm. awesome and uh, all right um, so you're cheering for the Braves and uh, they win game one by the way twins 87 World Series that uh, 24 year anniversary of game seven was on 
Monday. 30 and, uh, for your anniversary. 30, thank you. Um, I was going to say, I am older are than that. Aren't we old? Uh, what Jim you, was born that year. Yeah. 86, actually. <laughs> Do you have a memory of that? <laughs> Do you have a memory of that? 87 World Series? Yeah, Absolutely. Game, well, yeah. yeah. What was, what, what, sorry, that was a dumb question. That's. Well, I was at game one. What? Yeah, I was oh. at game one. You were like seven or eight years old? I was seven That's years old. That's really fancy. Yeah. Um, sat in left field. Uh, Steve Lombardozzi's home run went right over my head, and the guy, or was it in front of us? Anyway, a guy either behind me or in front of me caught it. And I remember at the age of seven not realizing that if a baseball was hit hard enough that you could hear it. I didn't know that was a thing. And I remember sitting in my seat and everyone being like, oh my God, the ball's coming towards us and being kind of excited, but kind of scared. And I was kind of thinking like, I'm going to try and catch it. And then at the last second, I could just hear this sort of, and was like, and I got out of the way. And this old man caught it with his bare hands, just snares it. And, and then he went to the hospital. <laughs> and he actually let me hold, hold it, showed it to me and everything. Oh, and wow. The Twins won 10 to 1. It was a rout. So it was just a party. You know, the Twins kicked ass the whole game. Game and, won uh, World Series. It went this 87 to 91, both went the same way. The Twins won the first two, lost the next three, won the last two. And uh, 87, I remember my dad was traveling for work, so he could not be home for game seven. But he was watching it at a bar, wherever he was, and he called home occasionally, way before cell phones. You know, he had to find a, a yes. payphone at the bar. Use his rotary dial. Right, yeah. to call our landline. And, uh, like, halfway through the game, he called my mom and asked to put me on the phone. I was like, you're watching the game? I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, you can stay up late because it's past your bedtime to watch the game. Okay. And, and we're talking about what was happening or whatever. And then uh, my mom was pretty into sports at the time, mostly just because she was married to my dad. She isn't as much anymore. But so I remember me and my mom sitting up till 11 o'clock at night or whatever watching the game. My brother was three, four. He didn't care. And uh, I remember at the final out, it was a ground out to Gary Gaetti, threw across the first, Kent Herbeck, you know. And I remember just kind of standing up and clapping. And then I think my dad called again. It was like, oh my God, we're champions! Yeah. Where was he again? He was out of town for work. Okay. I don't, I don't okay. worry. Okay. okay, okay, sorry. Yeah. And then 91, we were all together as a family <laughs> to watch it. And I, I, ironically, I don't remember 91 quite as well. Like, I remember the entire series better. Like, I remember every pitch of the series. Because yeah. I was 11, which was way older. <laughs> but I don't, I don't remember, like, if I was at my house or my, my Uncle Greg's house. But I know our whole family got together to watch '91. You know what's really sad is at being a Royals fan. Uh, I, they were. I was about seven when they won in '85. I have no recollection of it. I started really seriously following sports and really getting into it when I was eight in 1986. And so if we watched, I don't even remember it. I mean, they were really good, but I didn't see the World Series. And then uh, when they won in 2015. This will be. This will probably be more interesting to Jen than it is to Zim. Now, this was the night Gilbert proposed to me. The Royals uh, were in the World Series against the Mets, and uh, it was Game Five in New York. And uh, we just happened to have got, we were at the Janet Jackson concert in Minneapolis. The gayest thing you've ever said to me, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am gay, and I am married to a guy who's even gayer than me. No, that's, no, but like you, you just said, like the night Gilbert proposed to me, and like you saying you were at a Janet Jackson concert is the gayest thing you said <laughs> yep. ever, yep. let alone in that sentence. That's, congratulations well, on that. Well, you're welcome. You keep outdoing yourself. Go well, on. I, I want to hear more. I well, I. I I continue to hear that a lot of people don't know or think that I'm gay when they meet me or would never guess, but then, you know, then... You tell them things like that. Yeah, they're oh. a little bit... But again, I'm married to Gilbert, so this happened. 
we did we did kind of fall in love to listening to Janet Jackson while driving around in the Black Hills. You dressed up as a gay or the Black Hills when we met about six years prior to we were we go met. on. Yeah. Um, I can tell you we really connected on the song "Love Will Never Do Without You" because that's like our song. But that's also partly because we really enjoy that video. The video, yeah. You know and what I appreciate? You, and, and if you're listening right now, let's just let's just you know let's just leave them wanting more. Go watch that video to 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 perhaps take, guess take what guess you will, why, audience. Uh, go, guess why Gilbert go. and I both really loved that. Love John, in, John in particular. Go wow. go, in, go in for what you may. <laughs> well, one of the guys in the video does look a lot like Gilbert. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So he we go to the Janet Jackson concert. Oh. I didn't know he was going to propose to me, but he did. During Love Will Never Do Without You. Obviously. Of course. Duh. And um, <laughs> and uh, looks good. And um, it's always good. And uh, anyway, is that another gay thing I said? The taco salad looks good. Is that gay? No, too? that's not gay. Okay, <laughs> that's a menu item. I don't understand. I don't know. It's taco salad have a double know. meeting. Oh, that's gay guys. We're trying to watch our waistline. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyway, the concert gets over, and like, and of course, I'm trying to deal with the dilemma of not being rude. Our mutual friend Greg, you know Greg, was there at the show with us. He was. He was. Yes, he went. Greg with us. came with you to yes. see Janet Jackson. Yes. He Matt feels never betrayed told. right no, now. I'm, no, no. Matt feels that's, betrayed. Greg has gone. Greg and I talk often. He has gone out of his way to. Greg's hide music that from me. tastes are pretty like yeah. No, they're not. He did. I'm actually going to give him shit about that. Why? <laughs> John has the floor right now, Matt. Yes, yeah, sorry. That's no, okay. Bad. No, it's really so. Anyway, I, I I went I went to the bathroom a couple times and checked the score. That, but like the you know that's the conflict of was course. It game seven or what? The, the it was game five. five it was a clinching said. game. And uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm and I like I'm really enjoying Janet Jackson. But of course, in my mind, I'm like, how are the Royals doing? I don't want to check my phone too often to look like a dick, because this really meant a lot to get. And then, of course, after he proposed to me, I'm like, okay, that's really a gotta like. Not uh, I really like not. A, but how are the Royals doing? But then, uh, and fortunately, I guess the game went into extra innings. By the time the concert was over, we got to the Target Center Sports Bar, uh, Herbie's or whatever. Uh, Hubert's. Hubert's. Which and, is not uh, open anymore. Wow. And uh, we were able to watch the end of it in the Royals. That's the dream. One. Get your sports ball and your Janet Jackson all on the same night. So you know? that was a good night. Yeah, the Royals won the World Series. But I couldn't really enjoy it as much as you enjoy the Twins or would enjoy the Twins if they ever won the World Series again because I abandoned the Royals for about 20, 25 years because they sucked. They, they, didn't, uh, they didn't care. Their ownership didn't care. But it was still nice. All right, that's that's good. Gay story from John. Anything else? Anybody else? <laughs> Jessica Stark. I actually did just choke on my chicken a little okay. bit. Okay. All right. Well, that's another thing us gay guys I, do. I know. And, you, uh, you do. You do. Absolutely. All right. All right. Before we get to any more gay innuendos, we're done at the gateway. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes.